0: Welcome to Engage, a series for women in agribusiness. This update is made possible by the North Dakota Soybean Council, the North Dakota Grain Growers Association, Corteva Agriscience, the Agriculture Division of Dow DuPont, and Ag Country Farm Credit Services. Now, here's our host. Kara Hart. Today on Engage, we're talking with Elaine Cubb, author of Mastering the Grain Markets and also an independent market analyst. Thank you so much for joining us, Elaine. We're talking about your career in working in agriculture. To get us started, where does your interest in helping uh, farmers market their crops come from? I think I'm going to turn your question around a little bit because
1: I honestly did not get into this industry with the goal of helping anyone. And I know that Maybe that sounds selfish, right? I I cut into this because I wanted to make money. I was working at, in the hedge fund industry, industry out in California and I you know remembered that I grew up on a farm and enjoyed the concepts of commodities and agriculture and so I so I went into the commodity trading uh, space and it wasn't it was never any um, you know selfless goal to help anybody. And I, and I do think that's important to say because I think, tell me if this is correct, but this podcast is mostly for a female audience, right?
0: Mostly, yes.
1: So sometimes I think it's important for women to hear that. You know, you don't have to make career decisions or life decisions to help anybody, right? You can just do it because it's something you enjoy. And I always enjoyed the math and the data and the trading.
0: What do you do with that in your job each day?
1: I tend to think of my job as basically me sitting at my desk and playing with an Excel spreadsheet and charts and looking at all the prices of corn and soybeans and wheat and cattle and hogs. And those prices, I mean, that data is coming in constantly from across the globe. And so that's one of the things that I most enjoy about it is that, you know, there's always this fresh stream of information and fresh connections that you can do by statistical analysis or any other sort of fundamental analysis. Um, And it has worked out really well for me, and this is unique to the agriculture industry, that having that analysis or being able to present that analysis is important to a large number of people. So if I had focused instead of ag commodities, let's say on mining commodities, on metals like gold and silver there would be a limited number of large companies who would care about that analysis, large mining companies that actually go and mine that metal. So there wouldn't be, you know, a large TV audience that would really care very much about the minutia of mining gold. But there is a large number of people across the globe who engage in production agriculture. And it's just always going to be that way because of the the geographical spread of how crops are grown and the risks of growing those crops all over. And so this is a unique industry in that there are just thousands and thousands of individual business owners who really care about the analysis of these markets. And that's how my career is possible, is that there are so many people or such a large population of people who need that analysis or need that information. And so I I write a column for DTN. I wrote a book, as you mentioned, about the grain markets, and I do give presentations, and I go on TV and whatnot, talking about uh, the price of corn and soybeans and wheat and cattle and hogs and other agriculture commodities. And I do try to remind myself that it isn't just me sitting in a sp- in front of a spreadsheet, being a nerd and being a loner. Actually, I am out there in front of people, and you know it probably does matter. Or I hear from women or girls who do see someone. Um, you know, presenting this information or presenting this analysis. And representation does matter to have that voice out there.
0: Elaine, agriculture continues to change. Now, what's that change look like from a marketing perspective? And maybe what kind of changes do you see ahead for agriculture?
1: Well, I think we ought to be worried about another period of consolidation. You know, we have very, very challenging profitability in 2018. And everybody's just kind of stuck our heads in the sands about it for the past couple of months as soybean prices have fallen because of the trade war and the tariffs that China has put on U.S. soybeans. And it kind of didn't matter for a while because nobody was actually selling the soybeans, but now the soybeans are being harvested and it really matters and it's going to really affect people's checking accounts and their operating notes. And uh, so I think if that continues, if we have years of that, you know, prices weren't great even before this trade war happened, and profitability was really challenging for the past couple of years. So, I think we're we're going to be in a scenario where you might see more of this happening, where only the largest, only the biggest survive. Um, you see more people perhaps getting pushed out of the industry, and that will change the industry as it did in the 1980s. It would change it again. But from a marketing perspective, I mean, obviously it's, it's challenging if you're not going to be selling your crop or your products at at profitable prices. That's an interesting marketing challenge, but, um, you know, there's just the sophistication of it. The people who are going to be using the most sophisticated tools perhaps will be the ones who can stay in business.
0: What seasons are the most difficult in your job um, and how do farmers keep strong in a tough farm economy?
1: I have, you know, even in the in the good years when corn and soybean prices were really hot and everybody was making a lot of money, I did try to counsel people to be optimizing long-term prospects rather than just maximizing profits in any one year. And what that kind of means is diversification, right? I've always thought that diversification is great. And you're in North Dakota, Kara, and I always think it's great. In North Dakota, there's such a wide variety of crops that are grown versus in Iowa, for instance, where it's just corn and soybeans. And if those two markets aren't great, that's that's the end of it. So diversification can take a lot of different forms and probably the best form Of income diversification, a farm family can approach is to bring in off-farm income to have some of your income not be dependent on the agriculture industry at all, or at least perhaps not on production agriculture of corn and soybeans. So perhaps you know an off-farm job at the elevator or as a mechanic or whatever. But but bringing in some income that is not just tied to one or two crops, uh, keeping. The cattle, keeping livestock around, that's another great way to diversify. But by diversification, that's uh, a good way to try and survive in challenging times.
0: Tell me about a time uh, when you had to make a tough decision.
1: I think I'm going to approach the question as a farmer. So I farm in South Dakota, corn and soybeans, and I find the mistake that I make, I mean, I, I will perhaps go on, you know, some television show talking about corn and soybean prices and advising other people to be locking in profitable prices and to be marketing and hedging their grain before harvest and locking in good prices in the spring and summer. I'll go and say all of those things, but I find it difficult for myself to follow that advice. And it's because of the same fear that I think a lot of other farmers have is that you don't want to to, to write a contract with your local elevator and then not be able to fill that contract if the weather doesn't work out for whatever reason. So there is an inherent uh, tendency, I think, for us farmers to just do nothing. The, the, not apathy, but the, you're stuck, um, you're atrophied, you, you can't, you're, you know, you're paralyzed and you can't pull the trigger on those sales even though you know it's the thing you should be doing. So that's the hardest decision for me to make and I've gotten better about it year after year because you do as you have farmed longer you become more confident that you will always probably have some sort of crop to bring into the elevator and you can work with your grain buyers to, you know, carry it over to the next year. That you know, you have to feel confident that you will be able to work this out and it really is a good idea. To lock in those prices when they're profitable.
0: Tell me more about your farm and more of the role that you play on your farm. It's not huge, but uh, I farm corn and soybeans. I
1: rent land from my dad and my uncle and have cow-calf operation
0: here in South Dakota. So how do you balance doing what you do on the markets and having that farming operation, especially with livestock? Yes, I think there was a time that your colleague Randy called
1: me and I was uh, trying to fix some fence because the cows had gotten out and they were mooing in the background, and I, I don't know if it made great radio or not for you guys, but um,
0: yeah, it gets challenging sometimes, for sure. If you had to go back and do anything differently in your career path, what would you do?
1: I think, well, there was a time when I was sort of uh, flailing around thinking what I should do next, and I thought of being an aerial applicator, you know, being somebody who, who flies the, the planes, and because I was, I was taking pilot licenses, pilot license exams at the time and I thought about being a cattle order buyer and I think I got talked out of both of those career options because they were very sort of macho careers and I was told that it just really wouldn't be comfortable for a young lady and and maybe it wouldn't have been but I tell you what I I kind of wish I would have done them and it's probably not too late right I probably could go do both of those things still But I think I might be getting too old, too long in the tooth to to learn something new. But here's why I wish I would have done either of those things. As a farmer and as a grain market analyst, I really value the time that I spent as as a physical grain merchandiser or as a grain market analyst, I really value the time or the experience that I have as a farmer. So any experience that we get in the actual nuts and bolts of the other people in the industry, of our counterparties in the industry that really helps us make our own decisions in our own businesses. So, you know, as an analyst of the livestock markets or as a cow calf operator, I think it would be really interesting if I had known more or if I knew more about the business and the day to day work of order buyers at the sale barn. So that's, that's an interesting career for other people to consider, especially if they're early in their careers. I know lots of folks who are farmers now, but they spent a few years working at their local elevator as a merchandiser, and I'm sure it really helps them to know what's going on in the rest of the industry.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to say?
1: Well, I think this is a great podcast, and I I love all of the things that your, your former guests have said about taking on leadership roles Um, And supporting other women in the industry, that's great. And one thing that if I ever get asked to speak at a women-only event in agriculture, which which happens from time to time, I always encourage the women at those events not only to support each other and go to the women-only agriculture events, but to go and be visible at the local seed salesman events, at your co-op events at, you know, your bank events, because we just don't see very many women representing that, those workers of the industry there. I know that we women are out doing the work, we just often don't go and represent at these events. And so I think it's, it's hard for me to walk into a room taking a, a test about, you know, pesticide applicator tests and being the only woman in the room. I, that's hard for me, and I sometimes avoid it just because I know it will be hard. But if all of us go to those events more often, I think it would be easier. Sometimes I avoid it because I think it won't matter. But then I think that if some, you know, eight-year-old girl is there with her mom and dad, or a 12-year-old girl is there with their mom and dad, or, you know, an 18-year-old who just wants to get into the industry, who wants to take over the family farm, if they see other people there, it will be easier for them. So it's not just something that we do for ourselves. I think it would help uh, other people trying to get into the industry.
0: This special series is produced by the Red River Farm Network and made possible by the North Dakota Soybean Council, the North Dakota Grain Growers Association, Corteva Agriscience, the agriculture division of Dow DuPont, and Ag Country Farm Credit Services.